How long does it take you to send a picture on your phone? Maybe 10 seconds? It probably doesn't even register. It happens that quickly. Well, in Gaza right now, it is a much different story. Journalists have described climbing on the tops of buildings without any protective gear in hopes of finding a stronger signal to send back photos and videos of what's happening on the ground. It can take nearly 10 minutes to post just one picture. And that's when they actually have any signal at all. Israel has cut off internet and phone communications multiple times since Israel began its retaliation for the October 7th attacks by Hamas. And this isn't just a minor inconvenience. Without the ability to transmit information, it can be hard for news outlets to survey the damage from an airstrike. Worried families all over the world can't be certain their loved ones are still alive. All of this is made even more complicated by the fact that Hamas does not allow Western journalists to come into Gaza. So as the death toll soars past 10,000, according to the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health, and Israel's military continues its ground campaign, there are very few ways to actually see what that fighting looks like. Well, today, one of our correspondents goes inside Gaza with the Israel Defense Forces to see it for himself. We were able to see that the entire area around this post had been essentially obliterated by Israeli airstrikes. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. CNN's Jeremy Diamond is in Starot, Israel, near the border with Gaza, where fierce fighting is underway. But in recent days, he got much closer. I spoke with him on Monday afternoon. Jeremy, tell me the story of how you ended up in Gaza over the weekend. Well, during the first week of Israel's uh, ground offensive inside of Gaza, I've basically just been pressing uh, the Israeli military every single day to get more access to their frontline troops and to be able to go inside of Gaza with them. Um, and on on Friday, uh, I got a call saying that they were offering uh, an embed opportunity to a small group of reporters for the first time uh, since this ground offensive began. And on Saturday morning, I joined them. Um, now, we did this, obviously, like most military embeds, these are done under pretty strict conditions. In this case, you know, we operated under the observation of Israeli commanders in the field. We weren't allowed to move unaccompanied within Gaza. And as a condition of entering Gaza under escort with uh, the IDF, we also had to submit all of our materials and footage to the Israeli military uh, for review before publication. Now, we agreed to those terms in order to provide a limited window into Israel's operation in Gaza. I think it's important to note that the Israeli military only uh, asked us to delete one piece of footage, which showed sensitive military technology on mm. one of their armored personnel carriers. And beyond that, asked us to blur images of, of maps, faces of soldiers, and anything that could potentially compromise the location of this specific uh, base. But these are typical conditions when any military takes you with them into into a combat zone. So obviously we had a, a limited picture of Israeli operations inside of Gaza and life inside of Gaza, but it was nonetheless the first opportunity that we had to observe Israeli troops up close operating inside of Gaza and to get a pretty good look, frankly, at how they were encircling Gaza City. The military position where I was was overlooking Gaza City and to get a sense of how they're operating on the ground and, and the extent to which it is very much uh, a very active and tenuous position, active combat zone. Yeah, so what did you see? What did it look like? 
Well, we began our morning uh, boarding armored personnel carriers with uh, Israeli troops on the Israeli side of the Gaza border. These are, you know, heavily armored vehicles meant to withstand bullets and rocket propelled grenades. Once we boarded those carriers, you know, a few minutes into our journey, we were told, all right, you've now crossed into Gaza. Today we're going on the exact same roads to the same neighborhoods, to their assemblies area, to their trucks in order to go there and be able to get them pay the price and to eliminate the Hamas organization that held this attack. And as we made our way into the Gaza Strip, deeper into the Strip, every few minutes, the driver of this armored personnel carrier would stop the vehicle to kind of scan around the surroundings using digital cameras, but also just eyeballing it mm. to see if there were any militants potentially trying to ambush and, and strike this convoy of armored personnel carriers. So every few minutes we had to stop for those checks. We're right now at an Israeli military post inside the Gaza Strip, about one kilometer inside of Gaza. Gaza City is just this way, and as you can hear behind me, there is a lot of ongoing fighting between Israeli forces and Hamas militants. What they are trying to do About right 20 now minutes later, we arrived at this military post. When we got to this post, we found a group of soldiers, and we were able to go up to the rooftop of this building, which they said was formally owned by a family that they said supported Hamas. We had no way of independently verifying that. Yeah. But what we could see from the vantage point on top of that roof, we were overlooking Gaza City and able to hear active battles between Israeli troops and Hamas militants really on all sides of where we were. Okay, it's okay. It's us. Okay. In the center of the Gaza Strip, the IDF soldiers are fighting against the militants that are using all the houses that they can in order to harm and to get to the IDF soldiers. When we got a sense of the surroundings where we were at, we were able to see that the entire area around this post had been essentially obliterated by Israeli airstrikes. All the buildings around us, other than this one post where Israeli troops were standing guard, some of them were resting, some of them were cooking a meal, everything around it was essentially reduced to rubble. So one of the commanders on this base was talking to me about the extent to which they have essentially cut Gaza in half. Mm. They said that this was one of many command posts uh, along the six kilometer stretch between the Mediterranean Sea and the border with Gaza. But while they said that they have that kind of above ground control to split Gaza in half, they very readily acknowledge that the threat of tunnels very much still remains. And, and in because fact, there's in that, miles and miles underground. Yeah, there are dozens of miles of underground tunnel systems which Hamas maintains. Over there, over there, and inside the, the neighborhood also. Uh, so in just this area, there are at least three tunnels. I, uh, I, believe, I believe at least, yeah. And in just this one military post overlooking Gaza City, the commander told me that they found at least three different tunnels mm. that explosive ordnance teams of the IDF go in, find, expose, and destroy. Well, the IDF will be here as long as it takes weeks, months, years, until it makes sure that Israel is safe and secured for the long, for the long time period. If we need to, to get inside Gaza house by house, this is exactly what's going to happen. We'll be right back.
This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Tug of War. I'm talking with CNN's Jeremy Diamond. And are there still civilians in Gaza City? Because you mentioned that the troops have kind of encircled this place. Uh, like, what does the evacuation picture look like at this stage? There are absolutely still civilians inside of Gaza City, and we have watched as Israeli airstrikes have led to uh, a significant number of civilian casualties, both inside Gaza City and in other places in the Gaza Strip. Now, the Israeli military, they have said that they have told civilians for weeks now that they should leave northern Gaza, that this will be the primary focus of their military operations, and they should evacuate south. But there are a number of challenges to actually doing that. Uh, many of the roads are impassable. Uh, many of these civilians don't have the resources, the money to flee south. And in addition to that, we have seen as some of these evacuation routes have been targeted by strikes. That being said, the soldiers who we spoke with, the commander told me that one of their primary missions was to secure an evacuation corridor for civilians. And that is Salah al-Din Street, which is one of the main arteries going north-south along the Gaza Strip. But they said that they were trying to secure that corridor in order for civilians to flee south. All of this in anticipation of the possibility, we don't know the certainty, but certainly the possibility that Israeli troops will move deeper into Gaza City, expand their military operations there. And then if any civilians are in Gaza City, they would be put at even greater risk than they already are. Yeah, what would happen should that come to pass? Like, how does how does a military like that handle the idea of civilians just being interspersed into this extremely complex urban fighting environment? Look, the Israeli military says that they take precautions and make efforts to try and minimize civilian casualties. The brutal reality of dense urban combat and also of Hamas using civilian infrastructure and residential buildings to carry out their operations. I mean, some some Israeli military commanders I have talked to have stressed the idea that they've told Palestinian civilians to leave and effectively that if they are there, they put themselves at risk of being targeted. I think there's a serious question that is being raised about the extent to which an Israeli ground force operating in an area where they've told civilians to evacuate, the extent to which that ground force will actually work, especially in a split second moment to distinguish civilian from combatant. Well, and we, when we think about like these warnings that the IDF has given to civilians and just the general information space as we talk about this war, like communications blackouts have made it hard for civilians to get reliable information inside Gaza. Journalists have struggled to get information 
out. And then you have this struggle to figure out who's responsible when there is an explosion inside or near a civilian area in Gaza. So having spent time with the IDF, like, what is your sense of how they are managing the information war? And I guess more bluntly, like, how much stock should we put into what they are saying, like when they are saying that they are taking care to protect civilians? Well, I think, first of all, we have to be really clear that Israel, as well as Egypt, which maintain the two borders and the border crossings with Gaza, have not allowed any journalists to get inside of Gaza independently. Secondly, Israel is very mindful of this kind of broad international information war that they are fighting. They very much believe that most of the world is slanted against them, and they feel like they have to kind of constantly be on the defensive and fighting that. And when the IDF takes you on an embed, you have to be mindful of, okay, what is the propaganda aspect of this visit? Mm. And in this case, the propaganda aspect was they wanted to talk about this humanitarian corridor that they are creating, which again, we don't know how effective that will actually be. And in fact, just earlier today, I asked an IDF spokesman, how do you distinguish between civilians and militants along this route? And would you target it if you saw militants? And he very directly said, we will target Hamas anywhere they operate. So that even that indicates the fact that this mm. corridor for civilians could still potentially be at risk of being targeted. There's also no question that as we kind of try and parse out, you know, to what extent Israel is responsible or Hamas is responsible for the suffering of people on the ground, that Israel is obviously going to be held to a higher standard mm. because Israel is a self-proclaimed democracy. It is a self-proclaimed liberal democracy. It is a government with a very powerful military. And so, you know, it has a significant burden of responsibility for ensuring that it operates within the rules of international law. No one expects Hamas, even though it should operate by international law, no one expects Hamas to do so because it is a designated terrorist organization by the United States and multiple other countries. So there is going to be a, a higher burden of responsibility on uh, a nation state like Israel, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't sort through the responsibility of Hamas and Israel as well. Jeremy, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. A quick editor's note, CNN has removed a mention and audio from Hassan Aslaye, a freelance journalist with whom the network has severed ties. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Taylor Galgano and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas, Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Liktai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Abir Salman, and Pierre Berin. We'll be back on Wednesday with another update. Talk to you then. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.